Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans, and if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the Guatemalan farmers that made it possible. Proceeds help us grow this channel, Gratuitous, and Monero. This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by CakeWallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. CakeWallet is open source, and you always control your own keys. And by Sweetwater Digital Asset Consulting. Connecting new money with old money since 2018. CakeWallet, Sweetwater Digital are trusted and verified by the Monero community. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Life Math Money, a young influencer from India with over 267,000 Twitter followers who has found his way to Monero and will be incorporating it into his free cryptocurrency online courses. The two discuss LifeMath Money's highly engaged tweet from last week where he states, tell me how Bitcoin is better than Monero, explain with logic, and they also freely discuss much more. Monero Talk starts next. Hey man, so yeah, thank, thanks for coming on. Hey Douglas, how are you doing today? Good, good. Like I was saying offline, I got I got the COVID. Uh, second time I've I've had it. So second time. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I had it in March 2020. So like right out of the gate. That that was uh, a lot worse than this time. Although, did you, do you have a diagnosis or did you think that you had COVID back in March? Because uh, I'm not sure if you could diagnose it properly back then. No, I had the diagnosis. Yeah, I had I had to wait a long time for the test back then because that was like when they first started testing. Um, and yeah, it came up positive and then they tested for antibodies, had the antibodies. And then also I lost my taste and smell. I mean, I, I if COVID is real, I had it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was hoping COVID was more like chicken pox, you know, like you have it once and then you can't get it again, but it looks like you can. So that's a, that's a downer, you know, <laughs> I think it is to a degree. I mean, I went for two years and, uh, you know, didn't get it until now. And, you know, it was pretty, I was out there, you know, I was, I was out there living my life, um, uh, out, out in public quite a bit and uh, was fine and just recently i got it and actually a bunch of pe people in my family got it um some vaxxed some not vaxxed uh a lot weaker this go around you know it's just it was like um first time it was like a it was a flu i compare it to the flu this go around also flu like but it like went through me relatively fast it was like one bad night where I had really high fever and chills and I was like, you know, curled up in the bed. Um, but, you know, two days later, I'm pretty much back to normal. I'm happy to hear that. I'm very, very happy to hear that. So, yeah, I guess it's, you know, I, you know, like most, like they say, you know, the virus, each strand, I guess, is, is getting weaker, right? So more contagious, but 
less potent seems to be what's happening. Yeah, that seems to be the case. Although I, you know, I've heard so many conflicting news, you know, opinions about COVID that at this point, I'm not even sure what to think of it. I know, (laughs) I know, exactly. So like my, basically what I think of it is my own personal experience. That's, I'm just, I'm just banking on my own anecdotal uh, evidence and experience at this point, because you don't know what to believe. Um, It's so through my own experience. You know, what's interesting to me is that even though it's a disease, okay, like at the end of the day, it's a disease and we live in an era that is, or, you know, it's maybe it's always been this way, but currently the climate across the world is so politicized that a, a disease became a political thing, which is something that's very surprising for me. And it kind of doesn't feel good, you know, because then, see, there's like disease and there is effective treatment for the disease and effective precautions you can take for the disease. Mm -hmm. But it looks like we're in a situation where there's either zero or 100. So either it's complete lockdown, you all stay home, you take all these injections and you know, you can't do anything or it's like, I don't care. I'm out there and I, I don't really take Z. I take zero precautions and this doesn't exist. And anyone who thinks this exists is an idiot and is being fooled by the government. So I, I bet there's like something in the middle there, which is closer to truth, but we're in a situation where it's either zero or one and you pick your side. And if you don't pick a side, then you're attacked by everyone. Yeah. It's, it's so sad. And, you know, people are, you know, claiming to be open-minded and, you know, let's look at the science and I, you know, one side, you know, claims to be more science oriented than, than the other, right. There's like this fight for who's looking at the science, you know, we're being scientific. No, we're being scientific. And at the end of the day, uh, most people aren't really thinking things through. They are just towing the line of whatever political side they happen to be on, which I think is, like you said, it's been politicized. So it's just very sad to see because then you can't even have conversations with people that are quote unquote on the other side um, because both people, both sides seem to be so entrenched in their beliefs. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Bitcoin maximalism, right? Versus, uh, versus other coins. It's, it's kind of like that. Um, and uh, it's just hard to have conversations, even with, you know, people that are close to you, your friends, family members, people just kind of shut down and they just start uh, regurgitating what the talking points of their political party. And it's like, you know, what's going on? What, what, what you know, nobody's really making any progress because the day nobody knows, right? I don't know. You don't know. Who knows? Right. Nobody knows who to believe. Um. It's sad, it's sad to see that this was society's overall response to it. I think this kind of shows us that society overall is on a decline. And I will tell you what I mean by that. It, historically, when you have situations where you have two groups of people and they represent completely opposite things. See, what, let's start with what is a country. A country is a group of people who believe the same thing and have the same values. But when you have two different groups of people and they believe two different things, even though they're under the same country, they are not technically, you know, like emotionally, they're not the same 
countrymen. They're, they think of themselves as two different groups. And at some point, we're looking at a bunch of civil wars or something where these groups will separate. Because fundamentally, what a country is, is a group of people who believe the same things, they have the same values. But if you have two different groups and they're they're becoming, they're not closer to the center as it used to be, but they're becoming more and more spread apart on the edges. Like there are more extremists than there are centrists. Mm-hmm. At this point, we will see like a, a wave of people who want to separate all these divided countries into two parts. And it would be like, if you believe in this part then go to the left side of the world. And if you believe in this then go to the right side. So it would be like a split, and I'm not sure when it would happen, but we are seeing this to an extent. So I, I'm not fully sure how it's like in the U.S., but um, there are in, in in the Eastern Hemisphere here, like there are people who are like moving to Singapore because, or moving to Dubai or UAE because they believe in certain things, and there are people who are moving to different different parts of the world because they want to either go to somewhere there's more freedom or they want to go somewhere where there's more prosperity or something. And at some point there will be like a conflict. Yeah. I mean, yeah. United States, same thing. I mean, so I live in New York um, and um, I basically live in New York city. Um, So it's very left leaning and you have a lot of people leaving New York and they're going to places like Florida, Texas, um, or even just moving outside of the city and heading towards the suburbs where, you know, the people are, you know, leaning in a different way politically. Um, so yeah, definitely America's experienced the same thing, probably even, a, you know, just as drastic as anywhere else, if not more. Um, I don't no, know. what. Doug, it, let's think yeah. of this. Okay. Let me just, I just want to expand on this since we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. If, if, if enough people leave a government they have so much cost if they have all these employees to pay and who, lots of people to pay if enough people leave then they can't pay for it it's just like you know if enough billionaires leave then they take away a big part of the tax revenue mm-hmm. and at some point we're going to see like a berlin wall type situation where they will not let people leave <laughs> that's why you gotta opt out right grab those moneros so le- at least you could take your money with you right they can't stop you from doing that yeah, I think crypto will play a huge role here because if you if you have like say if your wealth is land and gold and a physical business, then a government has effective control over you because government has men with guns here. Okay, they have they truly could. One could reasonably say that the go the one thing the government owns is land, because the government could come and it could take your house and could take my house and there is nothing I could do. Where will I go? Like, mm-hmm. what could I do to, to fight the government? I can't do anything. But crypto is one asset that can't really be seized. And I think Monero plays an important role in this. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, by the way. Is it Monero or Monero? Monero. Monero, okay. It's, so it's Monero, Esperanto, so it should, it should be uh, easy for anyone to pronounce anywhere. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with that. Okay, okay so Monero is, for example, if you, if you have a lot of Bitcoin, okay, at that point, if it's marked to you, for example, I pay someone and the government figures out, okay, this guy has this UTXO and 
he has X amount, then they can, you know, in a way, force me to give it away to the government or, you know, there can be like a confiscation by force. Mm-hmm. Like they could show up at my door with a bunch of guns and like you either give us the Monero, you, you either give us your Bitcoin or we're going to shoot you in the feet or, you know, we're going to cripple you or something. And that is possible. Um, maybe it's, like, you know, for Americans, it's unfathomable, but people who live on the eastern side of the world, that is completely reasonable. <laughs> government can do that. And for that, I think that there is real value in, quote unquote, privacy coins, privacy coins. And I think Monero is one of the best ones out there because they have privacy by default and they have enough of a user base that it's not like, it's not something that's like a complete altcoin where no one's heard of it and it might actually go to zero. Yeah, no, I can't agree with you more. I mean, obviously I think Monero is the the best version of that. Uh, and not even just in terms of, in terms of any, like in terms of crypto, I think. Uh, but yeah, you, you try to think of things that you could hold that are unconfiscatable, that have value. Um, There's more to this. It's not just unconfiscatable. You also have to be untraceable in the sense that if someone is sure. not confiscable, but someone knows you have it, exactly, then they will figure out a way. For example, they might try to hack your computer. You, you will be targeted. So if you have like say 10,000 Bitcoin, and let's say that somehow people find out that they, you have 10,000 Bitcoin, you make a payment to someone and they see like the money came from a big UTXO and you have 10,000 Bitcoin and they spread the news, then people will try to target you. For example, what happened to the Nexus Mutual guy? So someone hacked into his computer and they changed his MetaMask. So they changed the code of his MetaMask and his MetaMask gave him like a false transaction, like it was a bad transaction. And that transaction sent a, a lot of, his tokens to the attacker so he got targeted because people knew he had all these coins so (laughs) there we it's to have proper untraceable and confiscable currency is a big thing and it has to be private because if it's not private then you're essentially a target unless you can of course hire like 10 guys with guns to protect you and you know always check your software and things like that yeah, exactly. But I, I think all those things tie into being unconfiscatable, which is ex- essentially what you're saying, right? I think, yes. they, you know, because you, you talk to a Bitcoiner and, <clears throat> you know, they, they love to claim that that Bitcoin is super secure and unconfiscatable and uncensorable. And, but they overlook the fact that it's not private and not fungible, which really ties into those, um, uh, you know, those those elements right so like to, if you want the most unconfiscatable form of something you're going to want it to be private and un, untraceable so nobody like you said so nobody knows you have it and nobody can see when you use it and at least you can maybe potentially claim that you lost it right in a worst case scenario if uh, you're really put up against the wall um and with bitcoin you don't have that right because uh, you could, the, at the end of the day, the ledger's transparent, um, and they could see your coins move. So, I, I never understood how these hardcore Bitcoiners that really claim to believe in these ideas can over, uh, like, overlook that. Uh, I guess it's just, are they intentionally overlooking it, or are they just, they really just don't think those things are important? I think humans 
on some level are tribal, you know, for example, I have my team, you have your team and he has his team and anything bad about my team makes you my enemy. <laughs> yeah. So I think there's some level of that going on. I do think those flaws exist in Bitcoin as it is today. I, 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 I would like to say that many of the people who are quote unquote Bitcoin maximalists, they tend to think that at least from the argument I've heard is that we have the best engineers are working on these problems and mm-hmm. we will figure out how to do it later. And it, I get it, like maybe they will, but for now, it doesn't even look like it's a priority. Yeah, they're concerned about number go up, you know, that's, I'm surprised to see the amount of attacks on Monero recently. Like, uh, I feel like it's it's escalating, which is kind of surprising because Monero, in terms of price, really isn't doing much, right? It's not performing well at all. It's like sitting yeah, it's, at 45. It's like a at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's like sitting at 45 market cap. But meanwhile, you have all these BTC guys. Like, you have like Tone Vase, like every other show, he's like pulling up the Monero chart and be like, oh, I can't wait till it's out of the top uh, 100. Like, like what, you know, like if they're, if they're so confident in their in their choice, um, and they're so certain that Monero is a shitcoin. Why do they keep attacking it and bringing it up and letting us all know it's a shitcoin? It's right. It's. I feel like they're kind of showing their insecurity. <laughs> Monero is truly a threat to the government. It's truly a threat to the established order. I'll tell you about Bitcoin and why its price is going up, and it's because people don't really know about anything else. So people know Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some people know about Chainlink. And that's what people are buying. They just, for example, if my friend, he wants to buy some crypto, so he just makes an account in an exchange and he buys some Bitcoin because he doesn't know anything else. And even if you take institutions, so institutions, like if you take a, a bank who is investing into crypto or even, I think you have Wall Street, it's called Wall Street in the US. Mm-hmm. What are the incentives an investment manager has an investment manager has incentives to make his client money and he gets paid like a portion of you know either the he, he gets paid a portion of the total portfolio and whatever he earns above say some benchmark and his main incentive is to just make the client money his main incentive is not like a long like what's the best coin and if everyone's buying bitcoin then he's going to buy bitcoin because if he says Monero is like, it has a brighter future, maybe it's going to outperform in say 20 years. And he buys Monero today and Monero doesn't move at all for the next two years. Then he's out of a job because all the Bitcoin guys, 10X and his coin was stable. Mm-hmm. So he's fired. So for him, the, the incentive for him is to just do what everyone's doing. Just buy, the, buy Bitcoin, buy Ethereum. And that's it. And that's why these two you know, coins have been blowing up in value because people like us, like we might invest a small amount of money with retail, but uh, a bank and all of the institutional players, they invest very, very large sums of money and it moves the price significantly. So I would say that is the biggest reason why Monero hasn't gone up in value, vis-a-vis why Bitcoin and Ethereum have jumped a lot. Mm -hmm. The other thing is that Many exchanges don't let you withdraw Monero for some reason. They don't they, they let you buy into it, but they don't let you withdraw it. And that kind of makes it harder for people to use because if they can't get Monero, like most people don't really know much about swapping coins. They just buy from an exchange and they might withdraw it. And if they withdraw it, then what do they do with it? 
first of all, it's a challenge to withdraw. The most exchanges won't let you withdraw it. And I think even some exchanges are delisting them. Like they are mm-hmm. delisting Monero. Mm-hmm. So I think there is some kind of coordinated attack on Monero and privacy coins in general. And I think it's because the government is afraid of them because the government has very good reason to be afraid of Monero. But how long can you stop a train coming at you at full speed? How long? It's like you can delay it, but it's going to happen. Right. It's like you're you're watching this little baby gorilla grow up, you know, and it's right now just a baby, but uh, it's growing and it's it's unstoppable and it's going to be a full grown gorilla at some point. Uh, and there's really nothing they can do to stop it. So, I mean, you know, part of me sees that as, as an amazing opportunity, right? Um, you know, I was, I was a, I was kind of a BTC maxi at some, I was a BTC maxi at some point when I first got into crypto and I really got to understand it. I was like, this is amazing. And I was just, you know, and I, I was just praying for the price to go down. Um, you know, <laughs> and as we'd go down, I got more, got more, you know, I, I start, like, I think I bought my, my first Bitcoin. I it was like 800 bucks or something. And it was like before Mount Gox. And like, I, from there on, then after it went down and went down more and it went down the Mount Gox happened and it went down more. And, uh, every time something like that happened, I was like, excellent. I could, you know, if I have an opportunity to get more, you know, and I, I was a little worried, right. Cause you know, you wasn't totally certain of what was going to happen with the tech, but I was pretty confident like because i understood you know understood it well enough where i was like this just seems so unstoppable um and obviously i have that that same feeling with monero so part of me is like you know what bring it on it's just more time to accumulate you know it's like it's sitting here and it's like all right gonna get booted off of exchanges I'll, i'll grab more when i can you know i'll go through the extra steps to get more just like it was hard to get Bitcoin in the early days, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that easy. You had you had to put some effort in. Kind of the I same thing with Monero. The most important coins to invest in today, in my opinion, are Bitcoin, Ethereum, Link, Chainlink, and Monero. Mm-hmm. And I would say Bitcoin and Ethereum are safe bets in the sense that they're going to be around for a long time because of the network effects and because they have very good engineers. Of course, like I think everyone would agree with that. And the other two technologies are Monero and, you know, Chainlink. And I, I would not suggest someone to be 100% into one coin. And that's simply because that's stupid. Like, that's, that's like putting all your eggs in one basket. You want multiple coins in different industries. So Bitcoin does, you know, like, it's like a reducing supply coin. Like it's technically they have 21 million Bitcoin, but people lose Bitcoin all the time. Like we lose a key or, you know, someone has a lot of Bitcoin, they die and the Bitcoin is lost or whatever. So it's something that's appreciating in value. It has to because it's going, it's reducing in supply. Mm-hmm. Ethereum is a platform where people can make smart contracts and they do decentralized finance and everything. Um, Chainlink is an Oracle and they enable a lot of the technology on Ethereum. And Monero does privacy coins. Like it's, it's literally, you can make private transactions, you can buy things and you can actually use it as currency. Bitcoin is something you do not want to use as a currency. You don't want to go and go to a store and spend it because what? There are many reasons why you would not want to actually use Bitcoin as a currency. The first one is a privacy one because, you know, the, the one I mentioned, for example, if you have a big UTX when you spend it, it's like, so what now? Like, am I a target? Is this guy going to stalk me home? Am I going to get killed and my phone stolen or something? 
the other reason why you don't want to use Bitcoin for doing transactions is that it's expensive. Like even for now, at least, the L1 transaction is expensive. At some point, people have Lightning, which was going to make it cheaper. But privacy is just something you can't you can't abstract it away. You can't tell me that privacy has no value. You cannot have a currency that is not private because then no one is, no one wants to use a non-private currency. There is very real value in a private currency, and you can buy anything with it. You, you can't be censored. And now, now imagine money that you can spend only at certain places because the ledger is visible. And if you spend something on something like the government doesn't like, then it's like a scandal for you. So there, you do not want to use crypto. You do not want to use Bitcoin as money. You want to use it as a store of value, but money has to go to a coin which is private. And the best one here is Monero. I agree with all that, man. Uh, we should say, so like uh, what what caught, well, I guess you caught my attention a, a while back because we started DMing. Um, you have a ton of followers on Twitter, which is amazing. So, so you're quite the influencer. And then recently you had put out a tweet I think you were like, tell me why Monero isn't better than Bitcoin or something. What was the, what was the tweet that you had? I think it was like, tell me why Bitcoin is better than Monero and right, explain right. that with logic. And, and, that, and that blew up quite a bit. Um, so yeah, what, what ultimately then is your take on that in terms of Bitcoin versus Monero? One being better than the other, or do you just see them as two separate domains, Monero being used as a transactional currency, Bitcoin as a store of value, or do you see there being overlap there? What kind of, where, where do you currently stand on it? I see them as two separate things. I see one as a store of value because it has reducing supply. Yeah, by the way, the other reason I, I forgot to mention, the other reason you don't want to use Bitcoin as, a, as money is because it's going to keep increasing in value because the number of Bitcoin is reducing. And I know that because when I try to buy something with Bitcoin, I actually feel that uh, I should keep hold on to the Bitcoin because the value is going to increase a lot. <laughs> so you you want like a currency which doesn't have this feature because then that actually encourages people to use it instead of just holding on to it. Mm -hmm. So I think Monero has that. So I see them as two different things. Bitcoin is like a store of value. Like, okay, you have like a lot of money. You're a big institution. Let's say you're a company and you have to keep a lot of money. You keep it in Bitcoin. And it will be it. Bitcoin is like an investment, quote unquote, and your free cash in a company that is your cash in hand that would be Monero, because that is money you can actually use to spend. And I think that maybe atomic swaps or some other technology can help you swap these two. For example, if you have say you need more Monero, then you will just take some of your Bitcoin and then turn it into Monero and then use it for transactions. And your customers will give you Monero, so you will swap that back to Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. yes, yes go ahead yeah go ahead I was yeah, gonna say, this is where i start to sound like a, a monero maxi because I, I i do see them competing eventually for the store of value use case um because i see no reason why monero can't act as digital gold just as well if not better than bitcoin the only difference being or the the, the primary the the argument that you can make for bitcoin is well it's capped at 21 mil 
But, you know, Monero is effectively just as scarce. I mean, there's currently less Monero than Bitcoin. Um, there's, you know, as, Actually, that, as we're stating that's, before... That's a technical thing because a lot of Bitcoin has been lost in the sense that if you take Satoshi's coins and sure. a lot of early Bitcoin, people just didn't, you know, it had no value. So people just lost the private key. So we don't really know how much bitcoin is actually available because a lot of it is just locked permanently right but that, all, that all applies to monero as well you know and and the more that people are transacting it the more you could assume it's getting lost right the more it's actually being like so uh monero faces that same fate where over time coins are going to be lost right and True. then like the question is are more going to be lost than be created and i think it's pretty you know who know, who's it's it's hard to come up with that estimate but when the tail emission kicks in where you know what is it it's 0.6 monero every uh two minutes um you know is that going to be more than what's being lost over time uh probably not uh i don't know how you come up with that so i'm sure people have tried to f- tried to figure that out but i think you could assume that more is going to be lost than what's created so Monero is 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 you know uh, going down as as well. It's just it's just not as obvious as the Bitcoin meme of being true, capped true. at twenty one mil, and and I, and and the most important part is that comes with the tremendous sacrifice on on the Bitcoin side. It comes with the question mark over. Bitcoin's future security of its network, because we don't know what's going to happen once, you know, the cap is essentially reached, you know, what's going to be the incentive for miners to mine? Is there going to be enough incentive on the protocol level for miners to continue to mine? Um, Or is it that most of the transaction, you know, because once most of the transactions move to the second layer, because we all agree that Bitcoin isn't good for transactions, um, it's too expensive, yes. Right. So wh- how are the miners going to get paid? Um, and, you know, whether or not that's going to work out or not, uh, just the fact that that question exists, in my mind, puts a question mark over Bitcoin's future security. Um, and then so that, in my mind, that plays into store of value, right? I want to store my value into something where I know its security is good today. It's going to be good tomorrow. and It's going to be good 100 years from now. Uh, with Bitcoin, I think there's a question mark there over its future security. Um, so, and, and the other the other major sacrifice that Bitcoin makes is the fact that it loses its its fungibility uh, it, it, because of the nature of its its transparent ledger. Uh, and you know, do I want to store my value in something that really isn't mimicking gold? because it's not fungible. You know, the Bitcoin I have that I'm storing with, are they, is one Bitcoin always going to be worth one Bitcoin? Um, so I think when you, when you look at it holistically, like you can't, just, you can't just look at the cap and be like, well, the cap is great. Um, and that makes it digital gold because the cap comes with a lot of design sacrifices in my mind. True. I think what you said about the whole, um, you know, fungibility thing, that's a real issue. And I, for example, if you have, say, let's say that a bunch of governments come together and they start mining Bitcoin and they decide which transactions get included or not. And let's say that the current Bitcoin miners are in this country. So they might come up with some kind of law that says, 
you know, because Bitcoin, uh, so firstly, I'll just give people some context. Bitcoin mining is very centralized. It's like they have ASICs and people like you and me can't really mine Bitcoin because we don't have the specific equipment. We don't have an ASIC that mines it very efficiently. If we mine on our computer, we will be basically wasting electricity. So you need an ASIC and these ASICs are like, they're in like big farms and factories and it's very centralized. So these centralized things are very easy to regulate. So a government could say, you guys will give us all of your hashing power and then we will decide which transactions actually end up on the blockchain. So they might censor some transactions if they if they would like. And of course, some of the censor transactions might get through because there will be miners in like non-censoring countries. Mm-hmm. But it might, it might actually become very difficult for them to do the transaction. So there is significantly, that risk definitely exists. There will be like a mining pool set up by the government at some point and the government will say, we decide which UTXOs are actually included in, included in our transactions and you have to follow us or we'll shut you guys down. Like China just did that in a way. They shut a bunch of these guys down and send them abroad or whatever. So this is definitely a possibility and we might have like two, three types of Bitcoin, like gray Bitcoin, white Bitcoin, black Bitcoin, where the black Bitcoin was used in some illegal transaction, the gray Bitcoin, we're not sure. The government wants KYC or something, so it's paused that UTXO from being spent and white Bitcoin is like new version Bitcoin that was just minted. So that is definitely a thing. And that's the real, that's what really bothers me about Bitcoin, you know. It's not the same currency. It's like, it's a gold coin, but issued by different empires at this point. It's like, this might, this is pure or not. This yeah. might have something, you know, mixed in it. And it's, it, might, it, might, it might not be as good as this one from this empire. Yeah. But I do think that there is scope for both coins, like uh, multiple coins to exist simultaneously. Because mm-hmm. if you take historically, if like if you take how humans have worked, there have been multiple sources or like, there have been multiple ways to store money. So, for example, you might have a cow and a sheep. Now, does this mean you only want cows? No, you might also want some sheep. So, you know, so you could have like, for example, most people listening to this, you have both Bitcoin and Monero. You don't have like just one. You have both. And in the future as well, I do see people having both. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you that Monero is superior in many ways to Bitcoin, especially with the whole privacy thing. And it's actually usable, like in the sense that I would I would I would be happy to spend Monero without worrying too much. But with Bitcoin, I do want to see where which UDXO is actually being spent. So <laughs> So there is that aspect there. But I don't think it's going to be a bloodbath or at least not in the near future unless something changes a bloodbath in terms of one you yeah, know like, like all, all the bitcoin guys are switching over to monero and bitcoin going to zero i don't see uh, that happening yeah well th- there's just so much inertia there in i <clears throat> you know it, it, it would just it's it's gonna have to be some catastrophic event that would kind of cause that um but I, I, I do think there'll be some big events that will open some people's eyes. I don't know what those events will be, but it'll be related to the to the fungibility flaw, you know. Um, CBDGs, right? You know, central bank digital currency, uh, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies, you know, as, as those are launched and people's eyes are open to the fact that, uh, you know, governments are now going to be able to track and trace everybody kind of perfectly in terms of in terms of uh, their currency 
um, may, as people realize that, then maybe they'll look towards cryptos and be like, oh, is that also what happens in crypto? Uh, and uh, when they look at Bitcoin, they may be like, wait a minute, uh, Bitcoin is just as, as traceable as, as these, you know, and <laughs> that, that, that may open people's eyes, right? And as they're trying to run away from the CBDCs to something else, um, Maybe that's, you know, an event where they would be like, you know, something like Monero makes sense, right? Like if I'm going to, if I'm going to be f essentially forced to use this by governments, then maybe what I want to have on the side is, you know, my, my secret stash of digital gold. Um, I think there'll be events like that. And then we can say like the things like the, you know, potentially as governments are becoming more tyrannical, which it seems like they are, right? There's this. I don't know if that's going to go away overnight, you know, once we get through this COVID thing, but the, the current trend globally is um, governments gaining more data on everybody and surveilling everybody and essentially yeah. using it again. with a power grab. Yeah, using it against the people. And that's the current trend, right? Governments are gaining, gaining more power over people by way of technology and, and, and data. Um, Bitcoin, transparent ledger, more data, more ability for them to gain, you know, more information about us, more control. Does that eventually become a thing and people open their eyes to that and be like, well, we, we need the, the true opt-out option, you know? You know, these Monero. things have an element of, I would say like, a, you know, you have, you give someone a gift mm -hmm. and that gift is a teddy bear, but that teddy bear has something else inside it. It might be something else. So this is like the government is giving a gift. It's giving you CBDC. And the CBDC will teach everyone to use the technology. They will teach everyone how to send money from their phone using, you know, scan the QR code. Exactly. And people will actually learn that this is possible. And that is going to introduce people to, say, Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is eventually going to introduce people to Monero. So it's like, you know, it's like you're giving a gift. The box has something else inside it. And that thing has something else inside it. And... At the end of the day, you will, it might not be Monero, it might be something else, it might, even Bitcoin might figure out how to do privacy or maybe some Zcash or whatever other currency. At some point, we will have a scalable cryptocurrency that is completely private and very fast and very cheap to use. Because we have too many smart people working on this problem and eventually it will be solved. It will be decentralized, scalable, private and cheap to use. Mm -hmm. And once this problem is solved, then we are effectively in a new era. So there was the industrial era, the information age. Now we're in the crypto age. Mm -hmm. Do you think? Do you think it does solve all? Like I'm an optimist. It's, it sounds like you are too. Um, do you think it solves all the problems? You know, like uh, crypto solves this or whatever. Bitcoin solves this. Do you think it ultimately does solve most of these these problems, or it's going to take a lot more than crypto? Is are we are we going to basically still be in the same situation we're currently in with regards to the power that governments have over people and we'll, we'll have our crypto, but it's not going to really change much. Or do you think it's fundamentally going to kind of. It's going to fundamentally change. Power I will tell you, I, 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 this is just my personal theory or the way I'm thinking right now. And I think it's going to fundamentally change things because how does a government derive its power? Tax. The governments derive its power from the ability to coerce. How is a government different from a household? And the difference is that 
the government can come and take your household, but you can't go and take our government property. So the government can show up and say, it likes your microphones. I'm, gonna, I'm taking it. And there's nothing you can do. And you can't do anything to the government. So that is the power of government. It has men with guns and they can do whatever they want and they own the system. But why do they have men with guns? Because they can pay for these things. And how are they actually paying for these things? They're paying it by debasing currency. They're paying it from our pockets. They're paying it by printing money and then just giving it to, you know, using it for their expenditures. And what happens when you can't really spend, like when, when, you, when you no longer have the power to print money, then you have two options. You can have, say, you can either try to confiscate money by force from people, which is taxation, or you could say, become like a businessman in the sense that I'm the government, I will set up all these industries, I will set up a nuclear power plant and I will try to make them profitable and I will use those profits to you know, run the economy or whatever. So you, there will be in the, in the transition to a fully crypto economy, there will be a lot of resistance from the government. And that's simply because governments like to hold on to power. They don't like to give it back. So once you will have say, some all the power the government has seized during COVID, the government is reluctant to give it back. And you can, it's very obvious now, like they just don't want to give it back. They, like, this is ours now. We, we own you people and the, you the do rat, as we The ratchet think. effect, it's right. The ratchet effect, it's called. Oh, I haven't heard of it. Can you tell me more? Well, yeah, it's just basically just the term for that, right? So once governments, you know, gain power, they, you know, it's like a ratchet, right? It goes in one direction. It never clicks back, uh, right? Um, you know, unless, unless there's, you know, some kind of revolution or something, it just doesn't nat naturally, it's just because the way the system works, why would they see power back, right? It's just going to feed off of itself and it's going to continue to want that power and not give it back. Um, Correct. So eventually the governments are going to have a cash crunch. Like if you don't have, like, if you can't, you, you can't spend what you don't have in the crypto age. So there, it's going to be bloody in the sense that there will be forceful, we, the government will try to force you into giving them money and it, it's not going to be pleasant, but we will get to a point where the government, governments across the world will lose power. It is just how it is. Because yeah. rich people have more mobility than poor people and poor people are worthless to a government. They have no money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See, this this is what, you know, all roads lead to Monero, right? Because then it <laughs> becomes, which is the best tool for essentially reducing the power of governments right because you know you, you you let it play out right so bitcoin's great right because it's it's taking away government's ability to essentially print money at will right as people opt into to bitcoin um you know bitcoin isn't controlled by any government it's controlled by you know the people that use it and it's it's written to the code there'll only ever be 21 million coins it's great um but governments are going to want their, you know, governments are going to want their, their cut, right? So if they can't get it through printing, uh, if printing's not really helping because everybody's just running into to Bitcoin, what are they going to want to do? They're going to want to tax. They're going to want to tax. They're going to want to tax more. So they're going to want to come and take your Bitcoin. So then that gets into the unconfiscatable, right? Like you, you're going to need something that then it's going to become difficult for them to come get their piece. But governments aren't too threatened by Bitcoin because they realize it's it's a ledger that's keeping perfect track of who has what. 
and they could very easily come and get their what they claim to be their share. Uh, in the U.S., I mean, there's even talk uh, of you know unrealized capital gains tax, um, which would be uh, pretty wild to see. But the fact that they're talking about it, imagine that being applied to crypto to Bitcoin. Um, and you know, basically government's coming for their share. You didn't even sell your Bitcoin. You're just holding it, right? You're holding your, your, your 10 Bitcoin that's now worth whatever, $10 million, but the government wants its, its piece and they're going to come get it. Now, you know, if, if you're, if, if Bitcoin, oh, I, I just want to say like, we will please pay our taxes. Honestly, we are not telling you to. Of course, of course, of course, pay, pay your taxes, um, pay your taxes, but I don't want to live in a world where a government can essentially automatically take their taxes. Uh, and obviously that's the world that governments are trending towards, right? Because just like we're saying, that's like, you know, that's the way the system works. Once they have power, they want more power. Uh, so the natural tendency is for, Governments to to transition in a, in in a way wherein taxes essentially happen automatically. Um, in, you know, in the U.S., everybody's supposed to pay their taxes, and uh, but they're you know it's it's not it's not an automatic thing, right? You you pay what you believe that you owe, uh, and then you can be audited. Um, but yeah, with CBDC transitioning. We're transitioning into a world where, you know, we're all using CBDCs uh, or, or Bitcoin, and you could essentially at that point kind of automate things and make sure that everybody is uh, paying their proper share, which sounds great, you know, pay your taxes. But then the problem becomes governments can then just keep raising the tax rate, right? They can, you know, they become more powerful with that. And then governments get out of hand, right? They get out of hand and they essentially can't be stopped at that point. So, you know, pay your taxes, but do we want to create a situation where governments can tax as much as they want and come and grab it without anybody essentially being able to, uh, you know, contest it? Hmm. Douglas, I want to ask your opinion on Zcash. From what I hear, they have pretty interesting technology as well. And I would like to see how it goes, how the adoption for privacy coins in the future will go in the sense where people opt for using Zcash or for Monero. And I think, you see, at some point, even Zcash will do privacy by default. Or maybe Monero can, you know, Monero can also use, you know, the snarks or whatever technology they're using. I, I don't understand it properly yet. ZK snarks. So it will be interesting to see which of the privacy coins wins, because I think among the privacy coins, there's only room for one or maybe two. I'd, it's like, why would there be multiple privacy coins? And why would, people will just pick one of the best ones and just keep using it. So mm -hmm. it would be interesting to see which one wins of these two. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, you know, so this is where I just start to take the arguments of a Bitcoiner um, and first mover advantage. You know, I think I think that's tremendous. Uh, I think I think Bitcoin uh, Monero is, you know, winning the space. Right. It's it has the early advantage. It's, you know, there there's if you look at the data, the amount of usage that Monero has versus other privacy coins, 
uh, Monero currently far exceeds all others, right? So how do we know? <laughs> Isn't that an interesting question? Like, how do we know? <laughs> well, we know, we, know, we know transaction counts, right? We know transactions. We don't know, know how much like, value. Making a joke, but yeah, 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 no, I know. But you know, there, there's there's ways of, of of looking at it. Monero is is certainly transacted a lot more than any other privacy coin. Uh, we also know that it's growing in adoption in places where you truly need privacy. Uh, so dark markets. Um, we've done interviews on this show with experts. Um, you know, say I found in, out about Monero on the darknet. That's where you found out? Yeah, I didn't even know it existed. And a couple of years ago, I was like, I think this was like 2015 or something. Mm -hmm. I, not 2015. It was like many years ago. I don't really remember. I think in 2014, I heard about Bitcoin. And that was on, there was a website called the Tor Library, which I used to use to download eBooks when I was like 17 or 16 or something. And I remember like just um, stumbling across Monero and people were having a discussion on, you know, even dog coin used to be like people would say dog coin address, Bitcoin address. Mm -hmm. And then I remember stumbling across uh, Monero on a lot of these places. And that's how I found out about Monero. And when I read up on Monero, I was like, yeah, like, why would you use the other thing? Like, this is private. This right. makes sense. Yeah. And now, and now you have vendors that are requesting Monero over Bitcoin. Hey, one uh, of them is me. What's that? Yeah, one of those vendors is me. So if you oh, okay. try to buy an LMM product by crypto, I will first give you my Monero address. And then if you tell me that you can't have Monero, then I'll give you like other options. But Monero is my and, primary. And why is that? Why do you uh, prefer it's, Monero? So for example, the products that I sell are like eBooks. They're like $20, $100 or something. They're not like big amounts. And what happens to Bitcoin is that when people do a transaction from an exchange, it costs them $40 to do a transaction, which is too expensive. Mm -hmm. So Monero, firstly, is cheap. And secondly, it's private. So I don't have to give them, so I don't have to generate new addresses. I can just copy, like I just have like a page that has this address and I just send them there. Mm -hmm. With Bitcoin, if you have like a, if you use the same address on like one web page, then everyone knows how many transactions have happened with that address. And mm -hmm. it's just something that I don't find to be the best approach. Like you have your, you know, to have your financial data just be online and everyone can see it. Yeah, so, so so there you go. I mean, it's it's gaining adoption, and it's it, it's achieved. It's currently the king of of privacy coins of digital cash. So I think that's the best argument as to why it will probably maintain that. Because um, it's you know one thing I like about Monero is that the developers are actually they actually seem pretty active and concerned about the community and decentralized decentralization because i think they recently changed their consensus algorithm to make it more you know make it less centralized so they figured out a bunch of people were using asics so they just changed mm -hmm. the consensus algorithm and it's pretty interesting to see because one way like one way to interpret decentralization is how many different people are actually you know mining this currency and with bitcoin it's just a handful of people mm -hmm. like unless you can afford an asic you can't really mine bitcoin mm -hmm. but with monero they seem to actively be pursuing decentralization and they have they actually are improving the technology frequently so that that that's really valuable because 
it's not a dead coin like you know if you take dogecoin like, it's not being updated that much it's like just there and you know people are just memeing it and it's being blown up and down in value but there's nothing there like there's no development there there's no improvement happening to this technology it's just you know a joke in my opinion like if you buy dogecoin like come mm. on man like it's like you're just gambling at this point <laughs> so yeah no, I, okay the dev community with monero is pretty active and that's very very valuable people don't realize how valuable it is people just ape into whatever everyone else is buying like dogecoin or the chiba coin or whatever but mm-hmm. you need to have like a project with a vision and that actually adds value and i think monero is significantly underrated mm-hmm. yeah and you, the people that are working on it are very passionate about it um and they're passionate about building digital cash and they're making these breakthroughs like you said i mean random x isn't uh you know it's not like they it's not like litecoin you know where you made a small tweak from from bitcoin uh it's it's a it's a major breakthrough uh it's a completely different proof of work algorithm um and it's seemingly working to the point where the cpu is essentially the asic of monero uh and like you said the the effect is a more decentralized mining network uh and it's tremendous that monero was able to invent that that was howard chu and uh trevador um so yeah no i mean that's just another example of why it's likely that monero is going to win the privacy coin space because it has these passionate developers that are in it for building digital cash it's kind of you know it's that cypherpunk ethos zcash there's a lot of interesting development going on there um but it's not you know it's not being built by these anonymous cypherpunks that are kind of doing it out of a passion uh you know you have the dev fund that's paying paying them to do it you know not that there's anything wrong with that um but i think there's something to be said for the fact that most people working on monero are really doing it out of the love for the open source project which really makes it quite unstoppable um because at the end of the day it's they're not driven by money they're driven by an idea and you know there's nothing stronger than than that right that makes it very unstoppable and it's the the third most developed coin um so yeah, couldn't agree with you more. And there's there's more developments that are going on all the time. I don't know if you're familiar with Seraphis, that that's a big change that's coming to Monero that's going to improve its privacy. So yeah, Monero is is not a stagnant project at all. If anything, you know, BTC Maxis criticize Monero because of the fact that it is evolving, which I think is incredible to to spin that into a negative, right? They'll say Oh well that shows that Monero is centralized because it's uh, because it's, I, I can see the evolved. argument for not evolving bitcoin and that would be that it's like you know it's working mm-hmm. and you can trust it won't change so there there, there is value on both sides I, I can see to both sides to a degree but you have you have to be far enough along where uh, it makes sense to no longer upgrade right Yeah, I think Monero has to upgrade because for example if the the technology they're using currently maybe they figure out how to track it then watch like then you have to upgrade so for a privacy coin 
unless until we figure out the perfect solution we have crude solutions in a way so we have to keep upgrading them so if you like before ring ct we had like or you know before say one technology was available we had those things which could be seen so or it there was maybe some way to figure out more information than we would like to give so we updated the coin we updated we updated the technology to hide that so a privacy coin has to keep being updated as more technology shows up and until we have a perfect solution and maybe zk stars might be that solution i don't know mm-hmm. but something like bitcoin should not change because if it's changing too much then it's like what are you guys doing yeah i mean well that that's how i bitcoin evolved into digital gold right right um it, it kind of reached the point where it wasn't able to change anymore you know, uh, it, it started to so, to 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 solidify right it was like it was it was in it was cooked it was the clay was drying out you could no longer mold it uh and it was like oh well we don't want to mold it anymore um but really because i think the clay dried out maybe a little bit too soon uh because what you have is basically you're stuck in a position now where you can't add privacy to the protocol level it's not going to happen they're not getting, you know confidential transactions isn't going to be implemented into monero's core protocol level um uh, bitcoin and, you mean i mean to into bitcoin i'm sorry uh it's 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 too late it's foregone and bitcoiners will tell you that's a good thing because we want it to be ossified uh sure i think at some point you know these things are protocols at the end of the day uh and they're trying they're trying to be you know money protocols you know we're we're calling them digital gold digital cash so it's at some point we want to get them to the point where they really don't change much but perhaps bitcoin reached that point too soon maybe it would be interesting to see how things play out you know because we don't really know for sure bitcoin might see a real competitor with ethereum and not monero maybe mm-hmm. because even if you take what ethereum is doing it's building all these technologies with defi and nfts and things like that so maybe people would prefer having ethereum because they can actually use ethereum for things like defi and you know do, doing things with the ethereum network so it would be interesting to see how all of this plays out my recommendation is to just own like some of all of it so you know you can't lose <laughs> Yeah. but i will tell you the real argument for monero if you go so let, let's take the history of bitcoin how did people start using bitcoin it was on darknet it was on the darknet that people wanted to buy and sell things that were not available on the normal web for different reasons and for that they were using bitcoin and those users were thinking that bitcoin was private so essentially they thought they were using a currency that is similar to monero but it turns out it wasn't and now when people know about monero most a lot of the darknet has actually switched to monero they don't they some of those they don't even accept bitcoin they just accept monero and by the way just as a disclaimer i just browse the darknet to see which crypto to invest in and not to buy anything <laughs> So just letting guys know, yeah. you know, for the ebooks. Pay your taxes and don't actually get, <laughs> use the dark net. You can look at it. Yeah, it's it's actually a pretty 
like on the dark i found a lot of the coins that made me money on the dark net i was just like browsing and you know seeing what coins these guys accept because i read a book in fact i i i learned about bitcoin on the dark net so that was my first that was the first place i found out that crypto exists and mm-hmm. i that wanted to dismiss it but when i was investing i thought let me go back to all these sites and let me see what these guys are accepting because then that would be like if people are actually accepting this then that's like more likely to rise in value and i think monero is the one that is the preferred currency i would say like bitcoin and monero mm-hmm. yeah which is huge i mean it shows that it's it's being used it's being used. it's not like just a theoretical thing it's not like something that exists on paper people actually want it right they they've chosen to use that protocol over the others because it it suits that purpose of digital cash exactly yeah. and right. that is the real argument for monero it's not like you know it's not that we have xyz things if people are choosing to use this that's why it has value mhm mhm Definitely, and definitely. Eventually, it's going to bleed into the clear net as well. Eventually, people buying from Amazon or whatever, and they will also have Monero. Eventually, it's going to happen everywhere. It's just that there's a lot of resistance there from governments and institutions, and they're like banning Monero from exchanges, and they're trying to slow it down. And you know, if it was a joke, if Monero was a joke, then why are they doing this? Like, it doesn't make sense. Exactly. They're threatened by it, right? Right. If it, if, it was a, if it was a shit coin that's going to go away, they wouldn't care about it. You know, it'd be like Dogecoin, we or Shiba Coin. We just added Shiba Coin. Uh, you know, people they're they're not out there running to to add Monero to their exchanges because they, uh, I guess, are being told not to. I don't know if you heard Arctic Mines theory, which seems to be pretty accurate, uh, that the the chain analysis companies you know they make their bread and butter by tracking and tracing these currencies and offering that services service to governments and to exchanges so exchanges can properly follow the regulations that they need to follow and it's a nice little business model they have going they're doing they're doing quite well you know they have large large accounts with with large exchanges and they're getting paid to offer these tools these chain analytics tools and these and they're telling them oh you you better buy this this service we're offering you if you want to follow all the regulations properly and so they're they're in with the regulators right and mm-hmm. they're getting paid by the exchanges to offer the service uh and then you have something like Monero where you know they don't have they don't have the tool the service to offer it's not in their repertoire right they have they have the bitcoin they, they could they have tools for all of these things but there is no tool for them to offer no service for them to offer the exchanges for tracking and tracing monero so then their recommendation is to the exchanges is effectively is well you should just probably delist it <laughs> uh, and uh so it's to, you know so the, so there's kind of this economy that's going on where it's they're being uh essentially forced to delist by the chain analytics companies uh and the chain analytics companies are becoming quite powerful because they have this strong business model and they're in with the obviously they're in with the regulators and i think it's actually a, a pretty good and accurate theory as to what's going on right now i think it might be coming directly from the regulator and the government itself because if you take like i will tell you my own thing okay 
the reason I don't talk too much about Monero on my Twitter account is because I have a lot of lawmakers who follow me. And if I start talking about a cryptocurrency that is untraceable and, you know, there's no way to find out who spent it and how much they spent, what is the natural reaction of a government lawmaker? Ban it. It's too dangerous. They're going to use it for terrorism. Ban it. So there is a natural fear among people that an untraceable currency is not a good thing, even though it is. But the first reaction people have, if you take, if you talk to someone who doesn't know what crypto is, they don't know what Bitcoin is, and you tell them about Monero, okay, you tell them that we have this cryptocurrency that is completely safe to use, that is completely untraceable. No one can tell you got it, you spent it, and how much you spent. And you can use it to buy whatever you want, and there is literally no way to censor it. You can send it abroad, and no government can stop you. What is the first thing they're going to tell you? This is dangerous. This is bad for it. And this is going to be used by all these evil people who are going to kidnap and, you know, want this money. And that is the reaction people tend to have. And until people become very comfortable or at least somewhat comfortable with CBDCs or even Bitcoin, it's just, at least in my opinion, it's, 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 it's a little bad to talk about Monero, <laughs> at least for guys like me, because who is listening to me? I have a lot of regular people, but also I have lawmakers and I, you know, maybe I'm just like overthinking it, but it's like putting a hit out, you know, on the currency. To, to talk about it, to bring exposure to it, you think? To talk about it in a very direct way, in the sense that I, I do talk about it in an indirect way, like this has privacy and everything, but I don't, if I say that, no government can start censoring it and you can do what you want with it, then that is that might actually hurt Monero right now. Maybe once people are more comfortable with Bitcoin, mm-hmm. it would be like the best time to talk about it. Like I do think that people need to know more about Monero. In fact, uh, have you seen my course on crypto? It's completely free and open source-ish. Not exactly open source though. It's like um, teachyourselfcrypto.com and we recently finished making our DeFi module and the next module we're going to make is privacy coins. Mm-hmm. So the privacy coins, I, I just finished reading Mastering Monero by I think you guys and I'm also going to do Zcash. I haven't started studying Zcash though. Mm-hmm. And the next module is going to come out in January. But the idea is to teach people about crypto holistically and not just push, you know, fuck the government in their faces because that's going to blow up. Like that, that will have blowback on everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough thing. Bitcoin had the same problem in the early days, right? Um, people would say, oh, it's going to, it's used on the dark markets. It's going to be used to finance terrorism. <clears throat> but then ultimately when legislators talked about it, they were told by experts, well, don't worry. It's actually perfectly traceable. Like, wait, what? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, what do you mean? They're like, well, the people that are using it for these things really shouldn't be. It's It actually makes fighting crime even easier. Um, so now with Monero, Monero's in the same position. Except it's not traceable. <laughs> you can't make that argument at the end of the day. Well, actually, it's it's easier to track and trace everything, not more difficult. But the argument that needs to be made is it's inevitable. It's private. It's private. It, it's it's free speech money, and this is what the world needs. 
if you believe oh, in that if, argument will not if you believe in human rights right and People if you, don't believe, believe, in human if you rights. believe in free and open societies and if you don't want the world to be ruled by tyranny that's the argument at the end of the day that needs to be made and you know it's a difficult argument to make when the counter argument is oh well but it's going to be used by terrorists and it's going to be used uh, you know by drug lords um because you know the argument that you know we we need to preserve free and open societies is like eh, well it has already failed yeah we don't with have to COVID, with COVID, most people don't really that. care about that but i do yeah. think that is change that it, because of what we're seeing with covid and this general trend that it actually is changing and people are opening their eyes to the the concerns of of mass tyranny around the world you know yeah. i think the better in my opinion the better way to present it is something like this is like bitcoin but it's more private so if you actually spend it then you are safer so it's not about fucking you know the government or you know other people over it's not about hiding something illegal it's about like you're keeping yourself safe. Why do I accept Monero? It's about keeping my transactions private. It's not about me wanting to spend it on illegal things or whatever. It's about me wanting to keep my financial data to myself. Yeah. And that is the argument. Like you can actually spend this currency without being, you know, without say raising eyebrows with some people, or let's mm-hmm. say that you, you have like a UTXO with 500 Bitcoin and you just spent like 0.1 Bitcoin and the other guy knows that you have 499.9 Bitcoin in your wallet. Well, guess what? The nothing good is going to come from that. Your best case scenario is he just ignores it and just moves on. But what is likely to happen? Likely to happen is that he's going to raise prices on you, prices on you because he thinks you're rich. He might actually stalk you and kill you or he might tell other people about it and they might do the same things. Or, you know, he might be like a good hacker and figure out a way to steal your crypto. So mm-hmm. the real argument for Monero is that it's better for the user. It's going to keep you safe from all this bullshit. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very practical argument to me. It's just one of the benefits, totally. But I, I, think, I think the real argument is preserving liberty. Um, I agree with that argument, and I definitely agree. I just think that most of humanity does not care. Like that's what I learned from COVID, you know. Like they don't, don't they don't now, but they will. They will. When it, unfortunately, it's you know, it's like going to be too late type of thing, um, you know, because we're getting there. Like, like we said, the ratchet effect, right? They keep ratcheting it, ratcheting it, and but nobody, nobody's on the streets yet. Nobody's really fighting back. But it's we're going we're we're approaching that point. I think. Do you do you think? Do you think we're getting to the point, or you think people are just really just nobody cares anymore i think we're at a point where there's a certain section of the society has like two parts now one part is like go and me harder daddy like give me more injections give me more lockdown and put me down and like fuck me in the ass and like you know basically like govern me harder mm-hmm. and the other side is like i you know i i'm like completely pro freedom so i see that it resonating with one side of the group mm-hmm but I don't see this argument going on both sides because the other side is literally anti, they're against their own liberty. They want more lockdowns. They want more, you know, different, different things happening to them by the government. So I think one side just doesn't care about liberty and the other side cares a lot. And you want the currency to be used by both people. Like you ideally want both of the, it, it, it shouldn't be political. It's money. It's, why is it political? Like you want both of them to use it. And 
I think the message comes across as much better when you say it's for your own safety than about liberty and all these broader values because humans have kind of downgraded as people, you know, like we used to have higher ideals of things and we don't anymore. But you don't think we'll get back to those ideals? Because there's, definitely, there's but... definitely a subset like me, for example, and a lot, a lot of people that use Monero fall into this category of people that really care about those ideals. And I, I there's think there's a niche market and then there's growing. a mass market. I think there's they're becoming those people are becoming stronger though. I think that that's that group is growing because I think Bitcoiners claim to be that those people too. And they're growing. Yeah. I think Bitcoiners are like we're the same, like you know, Bitcoiners, Monero people, all of these, like we're on the same side. Mm-hmm. And you know, basically everyone's just infighting. <laughs> but right. at the end of the day, I we care about liberty more than you. No, I care about it more than you. Yeah, like, we have the same goals, right? Like yeah. everyone, even like a Bitcoin maximalist, he has the same goals. What does he want to see? He wants to see the same thing that we want to see. Right. He just thinks his technology is better than yours, and you know, it's it's basically like my sword is sharper, and but we're we're both in the same army. But we're also blinded by the greed, right? So we're out there saying, I care about liberty more than you, but is it really about the liberty you care or is it about the fact that your dollar, you know, your dollar value is going up with the, but I think, I think the, the money factor is much more of the driving factor because that's, that's human nature at the end of the day. For the average user. Yes. So I would say the average person who has Bitcoin just bought it. They don't even know what crypto is. Okay. They don't care about, say, banking the bankless. They don't care about privacy. They don't really care about, you know, you know, decentralized money, permissionless money. They they just want the value of whatever they hold to go up, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You know, that's how the average person is. I think they have they have their foot in the door. You know, they have some kind of cryptocurrency. We, it's our job, people like us, like you, me, to teach them what you're you're actually getting into and what the advantages are because. The average person, what does he do? He goes to his job, he comes back, he goes to sleep and repeat. So he he basically has zero scope to learn about, you know, permissionless money and private money. But people like us, like what you're doing, you're producing content to teach people, like you're trying to help the world and make it a better place. It's kind of the responsibility, I would say, or like what, we, what we're essentially doing is we're, we're teaching them. And since they already have crypto and they are seeing financial gain from it, they don't have a mental block that this is tulips and complete nonsense because someone who doesn't have crypto and he doesn't have any Bitcoin and then he's looking at the values of Bitcoin going up, then he feels better. He feels like this is all nonsense and, you know, it's going to go to zero and, exactly. <laughs> you know, he has the sour apples thing going on, exactly. sour grapes. So these guys who are buying some Bitcoin, like, we have like some amount of influence over because they want to learn more because they're making money off of it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not like a zero and one, you know, people just want to make money and people who care about these ideas. It's like, it's like a mix and mash. And eventually all the money people will come here too, because eventually crypto will be money, maybe Bitcoin, maybe Monero, maybe Ethereum, but crypto will be money and fiat is going to be like worth nothing, like $1 million to buy a coffee or something. Mm-hmm. I think, I think too, that's why you're going to see like a Michael Saylor of Monero too, at some point, because it's, it's just too great of an opportunity too, just, just for greed factor. Right. 
So you're going to sure. see some, some entrepreneur, somebody with, with, with a lot of bucks that's going to see value in coming along and being like Monero, Monero, Liberty. It's better. It's better than, it's better than Bitcoin. It's digital gold. Kind of like what I do out of, out of pure passion, but with the end goal of, you know, uh, really just pumping pumping their own bags and seeing it as a great a great way to do it and it's because it's, it's really the pump is completely primed for Monero right it's got everything going for it it's like it's like it just it just needs that salesman to come along you know that that micro yeah. the, the Michael Saylor character the, the used car salesman to come along the awareness the awareness <laughs> and, and go out there and, and just just sell it you know do the song and dance um and you're, you're gonna see it happen because it's too it's too good of an opportunity uh so i, th I think you'll see somebody do that and they'll it'll be good, for, yeah. it'll be good for monero ultimately um if i, agree. I think that any way people learn about monero like even if they don't buy it if they just like learn about it like even for example in my tweets i just sometimes mention bitcoin and monero just so that people hear about it and you know maybe in the future they were like it won't be completely new to them. Like mm -hmm. I saw Life Math Honey tweet about it like some months ago. So it's not some you know, something like um, that's completely new. Like I, I've heard about it before. So the I think the most important thing to do for the Monero community is to just raise awareness that it exists. Because people don't know it exists. People are buying Bitcoin thinking they bought Monero. In a way, that's what they're doing. They're assuming Bitcoin is private. Mm -hmm. And they're buying Bitcoin thinking they're buying this private cryptocurrency, which they're not. Mm -hmm. And the only way for Monero to quote unquote unlock value outside of the Michael Saylor model is just for the community to just tell everyone like this exists. Mm -hmm. But to do it in a non-shady way, because when you do it in a shady way, people like see when your persuasion is an art. Okay, for example, if I start coming and attacking you like, but Monero sucks, you're gonna be like, no, no, Monero is awesome, and you know, you, it's going to be a tribal thing. Mm -hmm. So if you want to persuade someone, you have to go around their preconceived notions and prejudices so if they if you say it's like a pri private cryptocurrency and no one you can trace it and whatever and their response is okay so it's going to be used for crime then you essentially convince him to never buy monero never even check it out because you think you convince him that this thing is evil you've convinced him that if he participates in the system he's going to be basically funding crime or you know being participating in a criminal thing mm -hmm. so the way to convince people is to you know go around what their prejudice is so there's no way to convince someone that a cryptocurrency being used for murder and kidnapping is good it's just you're not going to do that like, unless you're like very very skilled i'm not but if you can say hey, this is bitcoin and you know people are using this for currency and it's like you have freedom and you can you can see all the prices of milk and everything rising with inflation because the government is printing it and the government can't print this currency then you've convinced him to use bitcoin and then what is the natural argument well bitcoin has these flaws it has you know it's not private and you know if you spend it people can see how much money you have in that utxo and it might bite you in the ass in the future mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you say, but we have this, it's, this is Monero and this fixes this problem as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that is the way to raise awareness. Or at least that's how I'm doing it with my crypto course and, you know, my Twitter account and everywhere else and not the whole 
like you know the whole adversarial way where you're an idiot for using fiat or you're an idiot for being a bitcoiner and you do mm-hmm. this instead and no you're taking you're taking the right approach you know you're mm-hmm. taking the right approach for sure because being acidic like you will never beat an opinion into someone you can only convince them and that is like an art which i would say bitcoin people and crypto crypto people in general don't understand mm-hmm. they they seem to think in like absolutes where you're an idiot like if you do this you're an idiot and you're not going to make it and that's fine for memes but it's like no one ever got convinced by those things you know like to convince people you have to like tackle what they're thinking and you know address those concerns and fix a problem so what does bitcoin fix like you, you cannot take people from at least currently right now in today's environment you will not be able to take someone from zero like no cryptocurrency to monero that's what happening because you know that's too big of a jump and they've never heard of monero before so if you can raise awareness about monero and then just convince them okay you have inflation everything price rising because of the government you have currency which is you know not inflatable bitcoin but this is like in a way it's a shitty currency for regular transactions for all the reasons we mentioned and this is a better one i think that you know because a lot of the monero community follows you and the responses i saw to the thread like the twitter tweet i posted were like they were like they were it came from a good place like they were just trying to help mm-hmm. but i don't think many of them convinced anyone because of the way they presented their thinking it was like it was too acidic and you is our goal is not to win arguments our goal is to help people and to convince people and to show people the way show me and that, that only happens yeah. when you, when you can actually you know when you can actually change their mind and being like aggressive and acidic doesn't really do that at least that's my opinion from the interactions i had with a couple of people on that thread like people were just even the bitcoin guys were doing the same thing like they were just pouncing on everyone like this is unauditable and like there's like you know like you didn't dictate anything all you did was like there was a talking point talking point talking point talking point and done like and no one changed their mind yeah i mean yeah, uh, totally the best thing you could do is present both options present the pros and cons of each and let people see value in it if they do see value in it and uh if it is what you really say it is then they inevitably will see value in it if they are of of a certain level of intelligence right i mean they'll be like oh okay uh i i understand why this might be important and have value in the future and why it's something i i probably want to own as opposed to being like you're an idiot uh you bought this you should have bought that this has these flaws no i mean that that what you're doing is 100% the right way to do it although i mean you you need all approaches all approaches True. are happening um so i i like the fact that you're going down this road because we definitely could always use more of that so are your are your classes already being offered are your courses already being offered oh yeah it's it's completely free it's on teachyourselfcrypto.com and okay. it's like so what i wanted to do was i wanted to learn about all of these cryptocurrencies like back in the year i was just like buying some crypto but i didn't really know what it would like how it worked mm-hmm. so i decided to like learn it myself and in the process i made up this course so it was like a way for me to learn it and we had like an expert who co-authored the course he worked at amazon for a while so he's like super smart mm-hmm. and 
our first module was on bitcoin and we covered we covered everything from like what is history of money and how money originated because you can't really understand bitcoin without understanding money because people think money is a function of the government they think only government can issue money and that's not true mm-hmm. historically money was not issued by the government money was cows cattle tulips and you know all these shells or whatever and metals and it was only much later that governments came into the money business quote unquote and the governments have always sucked at it like the chinese government had printed money like they had paper money like 1500 years ago and it literally went to zero because they printed too much of it and that kept happening like even before the american independence you had all these different states and these states were issuing like continental dollars and things like that and like you know like the dollar of massachusetts massachusetts or something i don't know it's a big state in the us and all of these just went to zero so printed money hasn't worked and so you would like natural progression of this should be okay so my, a money that is decent like a money that is digital and that was like banks okay like banks had all these we we were solving the big the one flaw that printed currency had was that different states had different types of money so florida money massachusetts money to like a central like you would want like a country money like you know us money and then to transfer it you would like have a bank or whatever and the next step was like people have been trying to figure out like a digital money for a long time and even before bitcoin like we had e gold or whatever and all of these things had the flaw where you would have like a central agency because money has this problem okay if you if you spend like a physical dollar like i have i'm out of the paper and you have the paper so you know we've transferred wealth but how do we do that digitally if i send you an email of like a picture then i have the same picture and you have the same picture so how do we come up with a system where you can transfer something digitally so the so the solution people came up with was you know you have like a central organization and this organization essentially does transactions so if you want to if i have to give you money i will tell the organization that send douglas x dollars and you know x amount of e gold and only whatever transactions this organization says happened are actually truth and what would happen is that governments would shut these guys down because you know they were coming out with it was essentially a parallel currency mm-hmm. the government would shut them down or you know a hacker would hack them and you know it would it, it doesn't work So Bitcoin was really a revolution here because Bitcoin was doing digital money but without the central agency in the middle which was being shut down by the government. And they did this by proof of work. So essentially what I do is I I go from like beginning like what is money to what is Bitcoin and then from Bitcoin we do Ethereum and what is Ethereum how it's like a world computer what are smart contracts and we teach everything from scratch. It's completely free like you don't have to pay us a dollar. It's like, mm-hmm. all of it is free. and then we do but then we teach people about see, other uh, ethereum technologies like ens and what are dapps and then we have like a 50 hour course on defi which is also like everything is free here and we go through all the technologies in defi and our next module is going to be privacy coins so for that i was just like learning more about monero and zcash and exactly how the technology work what is ring ct how the encryption works Mm-hmm. and things like that so i read mastering monero and that's how i ended up on your show very cool man very cool so when do you when are you coming out with the privacy module uh 31st january is okay. that day exciting exciting yeah i i don't i personally don't like i understand why but i i don't like calling monero a privacy coin even you know it's it's a cryptocurrency it's money. it's it's, a, it's literally e cash 
Right. It's it's like it would be like calling cash privacy cash, you know. So At this point, it's true though. <laughs> like, if you if you spend by a when if you use a bank, then it's not private money. But if you use cash, then it's private. Right. But we call cash cash, right? And and implied in that is this ability that it's a bearer asset. When I have it, I pass it to you. You get it. Nobody knows where where it came from before I had it, and nobody knows that I gave it to you. That's what that's what when people say cash, that's that's the what's implied there. Um, and same with gold, right? And that's why I think uh, you know Monero should just be called cryptocurrency. Money. It's like it's e-cash, like you know, digital gold, digital cash, right? And so to call Bitcoin, you know, digital gold, and then Monero a privacy coin. I think it's I think it's you know branding that it makes sense because you I guess because you you want to let people know that there's a difference between the two, but really Monero is just doing what Bitcoin was supposed to do. to do. So is Bitcoin also a privacy coin? Just a shitty one? Is is Bitcoin a shit a privacy shit coin? I mean, I uh, think. Initially, it was supposed to be eCash, but at some point, these guys, the community decided that we should go for store of wealth and gold type thing instead. But Monero sure. is that, that's what that's what Barry Silbert essentially was one of the, and you know, there's a few others, but there's a bunch that decided like it would be great if it's this because then that will be you know more money for us faster, and plus because <laughs> Bitcoin isn't isn't achieving what it was meant to achieve. So there was a pivot there, and that's when it became digital gold. You know, it was good marketing, I think, at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, that's like a more cynical way to look at it. But I, I see that there might have been an element of that type of thinking in that decision as well. I, I do. I'm not completely disagreeing there. Mm-hmm. I do think that I just have both and see how it plays out. Yeah. No. I I think that's good. That's that's good advice. Um, this has been great, man. Greatly appreciate you coming on. Is and love to do this at any any other time in the future if you ever want to jump on, or you could jump on our Monerotopia show if you're ever interested in that, and you could talk to the community at large. That's a, a live show that we do, um, and a lot of people from the community jump on. If you're ever interested in that, let me know. But th- this was great. Thanks for doing this. Sounds good. I'm happy to help and um, best of luck with the release. And of course, I will like tweet it out and send it to my email followers and everyone and have a great day. Yes. Yeah, any other info you want to get out? You want to just so people know where to find you, where to oh, find right. work? I, I always forget doing this. So I'm on lifemathmoney.com and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram and everywhere else at lifemathmoney. And we make content about self. It's like self-help for men. Like I will help you get richer, fitter, smarter you will be we make content to help you say improve your health get jacked get ripped and you know get stronger make more money online learn about cryptocurrencies now and get women and understand how women operate and you know live the best life you possibly can awesome man and um when you when you're ready to release your module i'm sure you'll get some feedback from the monero community are you gonna are you gonna post it on reddit and stuff your module uh I might. I haven't actually used Reddit that much. I don't really know how to use it well, but I I, well, I, bet, I, get, I, could, I bet I could post it somewhere. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll get some some good feedback um, from the community. All right, buddy.
And, oh, I guess one last thing. Are, are you potentially coming to Miami at all? Are you going to the Miami Bitcoin conference? Oh, I am anon, so no comments on that. Okay, because we're, we're having a Monero conference at the same time. So maybe, uh, maybe we'll see you there. We won't know who you are, but perhaps we'll see you there. Perhaps. <laughs> all right, man. All right, Douglas. Have a great day. Nice chatting with you. Thank you. You too. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have an Alexa device, you can tell it to listen to the latest episode of the Monero Talk podcast. Go to monerotalk.live slash subscribe for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps people find the show, and we are always happy to read them. So thanks so much, and we look forward to being back next week.